think movies like this are why the terrorists hate us. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're proposing that movies like this are why 9/11 happened? <laughs> they definitely didn't help. <laughs> Jordan um he's saying that's all well he's saying this is how we do it not is this how we do it is, <laughs> is this how we do it is this how we do it <laughs> all right should we start over not a good start <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean I'm not restarting Oh, the... <laughs> so, I mean, this is how we do it. <laughs> and three. So, Dora the Explorer, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Welcome to Mandatory Movies. Welcome to Mandatory Movies. The Lost City of Gold edition. We should actually restart the uh, that part of it. Yeah, probably. So welcome to Mandatory Movies. I'm Bradley Redder. No, you're not. I am. You're Kevin Falkenberg. <laughs> you got me. No, but... You win a kiss. Huh? <laughs> Are you just trying to get reactions for the video? No. no it's going to be long. It's going to get a bunch of gifts of me reacting. It's going to be long sesh. So anyway, yeah, mandatory movies. Uh, we are talking Dora and the Lost City of Gold, and treasure hunting movies. Indeed. Let me take that again. We are talking Dora the Explorer, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, <laughs> and <laughs> treasure hunting right. movies. <laughs> Gavin. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, what are we talking about on the show other than Dora and the Lost City of Gold? Uh, yeah, Dora title. and the Lost City of Gold. And then uh, your pick, which was The Adventures of Tintin, mm -hmm. colon, The Secret of the Unicorn, in some areas it's known as. Uh, the Lost City of Zed, or Z, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And then, uh, and then <laughs> Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which was also your pick. Yes, it was. Yeah. And then your third and final pick was substituted. Yeah, yeah. I guess we should probably talk about that for a second. Uh, we have chosen... We, we would have uh, been talking about Three Kings on the show, but we decided that was probably a little bit better for the next show. Uh, I, I like that you say we. Uh, it, was a, it was a collective decision. Okay, sure. I'll give it was it agreed one. upon by all parties. Yeah, involved. Yeah, I think so. That wasn't my idea. 
So uh, should we get right into Dora and the Lost City of Gold? <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like if we, the sooner we start this, uh, the sooner six minutes goes by and we're talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so I, I think I had said on the uh, on the preview that I was kind of excited for this. And uh, ah, I mean, I feel like the, the movie lived up to that. <clears throat> it lived up to your excitement? Eh, you know, I, I thought it was kind of entertaining in in the sense that it sort of like scratched that itch that I have sometimes for wanting to see just something completely random and weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the Michael Pena character alone in this um, kind of did that. I think I was laughing pretty much anytime he was on screen because he was just he was just being. Well, I mean, you know, the comedy version of Michael Pena. One of the best parts of the movie would be his uh, reenactment of club music. Yeah. <laughs> Which went on for like, it felt like three minutes. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. That's on the recording. Yep. I'll probably edit it out, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> no. That's too much work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that I was uh, I was laughing pretty hard at that. Because it does, it goes on way longer than yeah. that, yeah. and it's much more exaggerated. And he does like lively. All, the, all the parts of yeah, the, uh, a rave. Yeah, they're yeah. called ravers. Rave music, yeah. Uh, and, and it's just Eva Mendez and uh, and Dora just staring at him the whole time while he does it. Yeah, and I get the sense that he was only supposed to do it for like a couple seconds, <laughs> <laughs> but then he made it go on for about thirty five. And let's bring this up in the fact that. Um, I don't even know what is that a sentence? Um, no, let's bring it up in the fact. <laughs> yeah. So, because part this of this is how part of the plot at the be- <laughs> near the beginning of the movie is that they're sending Dora to like the city. Yeah. And this was Michael Pena warning her about yeah. raves. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> like that's the biggest problem in cities these days is raves. Yeah. For uh, you know high school freshmen, <laughs> right? Uh, so let's back up and uh, what is Dora and the Lost City of Gold? It's an adaptation of Dora the Explorer, the oh. kids' educational TV series that has literally no plot. Right. And uh, I believe boy, you were binge watching some Dora lately. Uh, I had planned to binge watch Dora and uh, I watched one episode. And when I got about nine minutes of the way in, I was like, mm, I got it. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember this is for infant children. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it was just one of those things like, yeah, I'm, I'm never having kids because I would put a fucking power drill into my temple if I had to listen to this for longer than nice. the 21 minutes this lasted. It, seriously, like the episode that I watched, I have to assume this is indicative of the whole series, uh, was uh, like she was looking for like a forest or something and she would she'd just say like, and where do we go next? And then like a chorus of kids would go, to the forest! And then she would go, <laughs> Louder to the forest, louder. <laughs> and I just imagine like the kid who's watching this is going to the forest. Yeah. And uh, boy. Uh, or they're just watching in silence, and Dora's yelling louder. <laughs> and the yeah. kid is just like, "What's Ooh. going on?" Yeah. If I had a kid in the living room watching that, uh, yeah, I don't I'd just um, throw it out the window. I mean, I don't. Um, at least not any longer run any sort of Dora wiki page. So I, I'll take your word for it that that is what a general episode consists of. I mean, this was, uh, I watched, see, uh, you know, uh, episode 103. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I decided, yeah. I, you know, I'd give it a little chance. Sometimes the pilot is a little bit rough around yeah. the edges. So SO1-EO3? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd give it a couple episodes. Sure. Uh, it had an interesting title. I can't remember what it was. You know. <laughs> okay. I think it was called, like, To the Forest. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah, like the, the show has absolutely no fucking plot and it's literally just repeating to the, the same forest. shit. And then they sing a random song about a backpack. I feel like you're describing this show. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No plot yeah. repeat things. Like yeah, songs about backpacks. I mean, I mean, this is how we do it. So yeah, I, I thought this was a, a, a baffling uh, yeah. adaptation of the show. Like, I don't know why they decided that they would make this into a 90 minute treasure hunting movie. Uh, that, that with, isn't educational with a handful of original ideas. <laughs> That's it. Uh, the rest what, of it just lifted from what's the original idea. Casting Michael Pena, <laughs> just Michael Pena doing rave music on the back of a pickup. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that before. I seriously could have watched that for like, I, I wish I had been at a rave where he was just acapellaing. <laughs> Acapella rave. I like it. It was a great idea. Uh, so tell us more about Dora Croft Tomb Raider. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it starts out when she's like a really young girl, like, just, I don't know, six years old. She's in the jungle and she loves it. And she's like homeschooled and her cousin Diego comes and they're supposed to be best friends forever. And then thank God it cuts to like, I don't know, eight years later or something where <laughs> she's God. like tolerable as a character. Um, and yeah, she, her parents are going to search for something, some lost city of gold, presumably. <laughs> um, Although the city was not made of gold. Uh, yeah, uh, that is actually Spoiler. very true. Um, less stonework. Yeah, um, mostly I would I would think. Yeah. yeah, but they send her to New York City to go hang out with Diego, and uh, he's changed. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, Kevin, he is not the same kid that he was in <laughs> no, the jungle as a child. Kind of a prick. Yeah, he is. Uh, his mind is consumed with being popular. Um, oh, he does not support his cousin Dora. Uh, she, she, she's just a free spirit, you know, and she comes and they don't understand what she's doing. Yeah. Um, you don't often see this kind of stuff in uh, high school movies. So. I know. Yeah. That, you know, that, that push pull of like acceptance and rejection. Right. Do I be uh, myself or do I fit in? Yeah. Uh, and you know, Dora and Diego, they just have different viewpoints on how to go about it. Yeah. And, uh, and they clash. And, and Dora is, uh, pretty, uh, I will say that she was, pretty great as that character because she was just kind of like i did kind of enjoy the way she played dora i guess because it was just very like yeah. hey this is me this is who i am like it was almost kind of infectious which is, was the point because yeah i mean we're yeah finish your thought yeah well that was kind of my my whole thought you finished yeah i would have just said something to repeat and then sing a song about a backpack so yeah you can go from there um dig the poo hole brad mm-hmm. uh Open the sluice gate. <laughs> uh, you, no, I, I would agree with that, actually. I, um, <clears throat> I, as much as we're sort of making fun of it and how simplistic it is, uh, I actually did enjoy it. I mean, for the most part. Like, it, yeah. as much as, like, a 32-year-old man could. Right. Um, I was definitely on my phone for probably a good half hour in the middle. <laughs> that's kind of rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, the half hour in the middle is the part that Michael Pena is not in. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. True. But Dora does uh, make the popular girl sing a song about pooping. 
Yeah. Which again, like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, Who's this movie for? Is that what you're about to say? Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like that, like, again, that's funny to me because it's just like, why is this here? Yeah. But like, I don't know if you're 14 and like the target audience of the movie. Actually, is a 14 year old the target audience of the movie? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's people that used to watch Dora or yeah. if it's people in high school, if it's people entering high school, like what? I'm well, not and sure. if it's people who used to watch Dora, they could just watch Indiana Jones and get the same fucking thing. Only yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I'm not sure what they were going for exactly, but it, it definitely had a handful of those, like, just really bizarre kind of, like, off-the-wall moments yeah. where I think her her sort of, like, fish-out-of-waterness, if that's a phrase, yeah. um, was kind of endearing and funny in a, in a really strange way. Which was, like... <laughs> And then in the grand scope of the movie, it almost felt like kind of shoehorned in where it's like, all right, we need to have supporting characters. So let's throw her into high school and then she can be a fish out of water for 15 minutes. And then it's back to the jungle with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. So the high school thing just didn't matter. Hi, Brad here. Uh, we had some technical difficulties right here. And so we're just going to kind of skip past those and drop you right back into the conversation as we restarted after those difficulties. Sorry about that. Yeah, like the, that sort of transition between when she's like six years old and 14, they do like a, a, like a mini, you know, television show intro where yeah. like they reference the talking map and the backpack and all that stuff and like i sort of thought that was the the nod to the show and right. then she's 14 and we're gonna we're making a real movie now yeah. but then that fucking fox is walking around it's like... well, and when they flash forward to her being 14 or whatever she they're like right at the beginning of that she's like running through the jungle and like talking to the camera and i'm like is she are they like is she filming like a youtube show or yeah, something yeah. like but they only do that like once in the movie so i'm like okay yeah um so yeah i mean it's weird so yeah like i guess as far as the plot goes i mean and then let's not forget they bring the cartoon back in full later in the movie when they start tripping balls i actually did like that <laughs> yeah i thought it was pretty funny yeah. and clever um yeah, uh, that's pretty great. But it, and it also that goes back to who is this movie for? Yeah, again, because like I don't know if Thor like is a, high on plant spores in the jungle. What the fuck is happening? I, I don't know if like a fourteen year old gets that. Yeah, um, she went to a rave in the jungle. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but as far as like the plot goes, I mean, it's it's already pretty obvious what it is. They, yeah, they get kidnapped to the jungle and they meet up with their parents and yep. then they find the lost city of gold That's and true. Dora solves all the clues. And, uh, you know, Brad, sometimes the real lost city of gold is just the friends that you make along the way. <laughs> That's... Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's Dora. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I don't think there's really anything else to say. It's not, uh, yeah. I mean, there's really nothing to it. Um, I, I thought it was, it, it it was good that I had Regal Unlimited and didn't actually pay for this. <laughs> um, but that said, like I enjoyed eating some popcorn and watching it. it well, was, and it was fine. And I mean, couldn't recommend it, it. But it's a kids' movie, so like you know, who cares if it's spoiled? But it the ending is basically just Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> like almost down to to each note. Because she, cause she goes to the, to the Lost City. They, they solve all the little traps and tricks to get to, you know, the end where the, they find the, the treasure or whatever the fuck they're looking for. And the, um, 
you know, first the villain uses them to get to the treasure, like, you know, in Indiana Jones, the, uh, you know, they solve the puzzles. Like I said, the, the villain chooses poorly. She chooses, she chooses correctly. And then even like they have like in the last crusade, there's like the, like the, the crusade knight, like the Templar knight or whatever. And in this one, we've got like the Incan goddess woman or whatever, who's like guarding the, like everything it was just straight lifted just about and converted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't think of that. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty much all I was it's paying attention. Intricate. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess. And there was like Incan magic or something at the end, which was also weird. I was like, okay, we're just going to throw this in now. Yeah. It was kind of weird that they didn't really do anything in the lost city. Like they just sort of like yeah. unveiled it and stared at it for a couple seconds right. <laughs> and then went back to the high school dance. Uh, cool i guess we can go back now yeah well we found it so cool hey there it is we're done yeah and uh we're done yeah talking about dora (laughs) yeah how's that for a transition that that was good the mic cut out so we're back we're good yeah what (laughs) i said well the mic cut out when we were in the middle of our our sweet flow that we had going yeah hopefully uh Hopefully this is actually recording and it's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, I swear, when you put your phone on the edge of your laptop, the screen went off. I don't know if that was like some sort of thing. Is that something that Apple does? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those touch commands. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't. Tim Cook was just like, let's make the phones shut off the laptops. That was a bad idea. Let's inconvenience everyone. Uh Little, yeah. little did he know that he'd be disrupting a sweet flow of an important podcast. <laughs> I know. As we talk about Dora Jones and the last crusade of gold. <laughs> Whatever the fuck this movie was called. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dora was the dog's name. <laughs> anyway. So. Um, what next? Who movie? I believe it was The Adventures of Tintin. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's first foray into animation. That's right. Was this the last, like, big blockbustery mocap human cartoon thing, whatever? I mean, I guess you could... Well, I mean, Lion King, but those were all animals. Yeah, I don't think that really counts. No human characters. Um, Can't think of any, really. And I would know, argue the best one, better than Beowulf, Christmas Carol, oh, yeah, by, by far. far. <laughs> um, I'm actually I, when it came out, I I did enjoy the Polar Express, but well, that's because you're a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. I did watch Polar Express recently. Yeah, last year. It? Uh, still weird. Yeah, especially weird when Santa whips the reindeers at the end. <laughs> I didn't remember that. Well, they weren't moving fast enough. He's like flying through the air and you see like this magical like rainbowy like fairy dust whip like whoosh, fly reindeer fly god damn I'm like why is Santa whipping his reindeer what the fuck so anyway um yeah I do think this is the last uh big mocap movie yeah and I don't know. Like, I think that's kind of sad. There, there was actually supposed to be a trilogy. I think I mentioned it on the preview show. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, and apparently it's maybe still happening. Um, oh. But yeah, Peter Jackson was supposed to do a second one, and then they were 
both as director to, yes or, okay yeah and then they were both going to direct a third one together oh interesting and it never happened because uh, oddly this was kind of a big flop here i mean i guess maybe that's not that odd it is a like a belgian character very famous in europe but like america aside from like that uh, that cartoon that used to play on nickelodeon yeah uh, by the way, this is our second Nickelodeon movie of the show. Whoa, we got a we got a few more. Do we? I think uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't think we do. <laughs> we don't. It's a National Treasure uh, Nickelodeon show. <laughs> <laughs> on City Soakers too, on Nick Jr. Um, yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. Uh, why did you, Why did you pick this one? Because uh, I love this movie. I think this is a great movie. Um, and I hadn't seen it. I don't think I'd seen it since the theater, but I thought it pretty much held up. I thought the animation was still great. I think it's, I think it's stylized enough that it avoids like the uncanny Valley. Um, and yet it looks, you know, like, uh, sort of cinematography wise, if you can call it that. And the sort of photorealistic aspect of like the backgrounds, at least, I think it, I think it's a, gorgeous looking movie and then it has like these characters in it that are just cartoonish enough right. to to not be creepy um but realistic enough to take the movie seriously and like action set pieces that are just kind of ridiculous enough that you couldn't have really done it convincingly with a live action yeah. cast and crew see one of my th- one of my favorite things about animation is uh is that yeah you can do anything and get away with it and right. you know so to have someone like spielberg doing that who's yeah. already like I don't think he gets enough credit for being as stylish as he is, um, but he is very stylish. And so to basically give him the ability to do anything that he wants that he could actually imagine, uh, I think the results are fucking phenomenal. I think that that scene in like Morocco, like that whole action sequence that's done in one fluid oh, yeah, yeah. shot, is fucking amazing. When they're chasing the bird. Yeah, they're chasing the bird, and it's like this whole thing going downhill, and there's literally yeah. like a hotel sliding down a cliff, yeah. and with like a tank and all yeah, sorts of stuff. yeah, and it just gets more and more ridiculous. Yep. But uh, like it, it's handled so well, yeah. and it's exciting. Which is one yeah. of those things that like doing that with a live action crew would be you, impossible, impossible, <laughs> yeah. and it would look stupid, yeah. and yeah, it just wouldn't make any sense. Yep. Uh, whereas here, uh, it looks great. It's exciting. It's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I thought it was great. I saw I actually saw this in 3D. It's one of maybe oh. two or three movies that I would say uh, were good enough, like justified, uh, you know, seeing yeah. it in 3D. Um, very few of those. I forgot that this came out in 3D, yeah. Yeah. And again, because it's, I mean, I feel like animation can get away with it um, yeah. much more than... Uh, you know live action can it just looks like a gimmick in live action but yeah i had actually never seen this um what did you think uh i enjoyed it it was uh i thought it was it was pretty good it was pretty great actually and uh i kind of agree with you that it was there were there was enough uh advancement in the technology that like you said it avoided the uncanny valley thing kind of the real kind of creepiness that you get from 
the Polar Express and you know <laughs> stuff like that, where you're just like, you don't look human, but you're trying to look human. What are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here, like you said, it was just stylized enough. Everybody had kind of stretched out features or whatever that it, it was like, all right, so this is kind of entering more like video game cutscene, like where it's, it's, yeah. I'm believing this. It's yeah. fine. It's not bothering me. Yeah. And in fact, like it has, you know, has Snowy the dog who I actually kind of thought was sort of like a video game sidekick character where like he would kind of point things out when the when the plot stalled a little bit you know sort of like you know when you're like texting somebody while playing a video game you drop the controller for two minutes and then the character just walks over to a closet like i wonder what's in here yeah the dog will just sit there and go yeah like oh and then like your sidekick character will be like maybe we should see what the dog's doing Yeah. (laughs) yeah that's pretty much what happens in this movie it's weird though because also Tintin he's 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 the focal point he's like the center character of it but he's also kind of like I don't know like he almost doesn't really even have a story of his own. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. almost he's almost like this just agent of whatever in this like agent of chaos or whatever in this movie. <laughs> it's just he's just there experiencing like other people's lives or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I think he does drive the plot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree that it's not, there's no real, like, he doesn't have anything yeah. personal going on. It's like, like everyone it, else grows around him and he's. Yeah, it is. a. I, I think know. in terms of like him, it's like, it's a very pure kind of like yeah. action adventure movie in that like he just has, there's no personal story that's going on right. with him. Um, the only, I and guess... he's also like apparently a journalist and uh, he, right. I, does he even own a typewriter? I don't know. <laughs> like, i don't know uh we never actually see that but like i think they i think they do enough with it there's like that little uh that shot of like that pans along the wall that has like some of his articles and stuff like that framed uh which are also like homages to other tintin stories um but yeah i mean yeah i I assume that that's what that was do we assume that everyone knows what tintin is i don't know like a belgian comic from like the 70s i think you mentioned that part but yeah um yeah it's like an adventure story he's yeah. like a he, tintin i i mean Journalist he looks like adventure. a boy yeah yeah but like I, I guess he's a teenager or 20 or i don't know how old he is he looks like if caillou grow a little bit of hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah had a slightly smaller head <laughs> which they make reference to at the beginning of this movie when yeah. an artist draws him as the original yes, tintin character the hair gay <laughs> uh interpretation of yeah actually that was a a nice homage to the comic uh but yeah uh he's like a journalist adventurer who's gets tied up in like archaeological quests and searches and treasure hunts and stuff like that and you know this is he starts with him uh buying like a model ship that winds up being like this artifact that leads to uh, some treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything else. <laughs> I mean, like it, it's kind of a convoluted story, but I, I like that it doesn't take too much time. Yeah, like th- there aren't a lot of just straight like pure exposition sequences in this. Like I feel like they do a nice like Spielberg always does a nice job of like mixing sort of character development and uh, like advancing the plot at the same yeah. time. So like there's never a scene where it's literally just some characters going like you know explaining a bunch of like nonsense history that doesn't you know <laughs> right. doesn't actually exist yeah. they're just making it up on the fly um so like I, I don't know i think it's one of the things that this movie does very well i'm just gonna keep talking about that fart <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, you? One, <laughs> no, but one of the things that does really well is that like it just kind of keeps going. Like it, it constantly keeps moving and. I, I don't know. I, I think it kind of knows what it is. Yeah. I think Spielberg is very aware that like it doesn't need to have a lot of character development or like these yeah. just like slow and, down dramatic sequences. And you like, can get away with a lot more like like Tintin just figuring shit out and, be, and he'll be like, of course, it's this, this, this. And you're like, how the fuck did he know that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, again, I think like it, that sort of exposition slash character development, like the yeah. very first scene when he's looking at the ship and he knows more about right. it than the guy who's selling it to him. Yeah. Like, I, I think that just sort of, like, clues you in that, like, all right, he knows. We can yeah. just trust that he's he's smart enough and yeah. that he can just figure these things out so we don't have to, like, sit there and watch him do it, you know? like Which is kind of great because, like, as far as, uh, like, uh, figuring things out, like, journalistically or, or uh, you know, kind of, expl- you know, as an explorer would, he's, like, brilliant and that sort of thing, but also kind of dumb common sense-wise, which is kind of a fun mix. Where, like, he doesn't realize, like, of a guy who's pickpocketing him or he doesn't really, you know, yeah. just really dumb. Th- or, like, that somebody is, like, luring him into a trap and he'll he'll fall for it. Well, that, I mean, that's the funny thing about about it, too, because then they'll, they'll always, like, cut to Snowy the dog who realizes what's going yeah. on. And he'll be, like, trying to, like, growl or, like, what is wrong like, with nudge him. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I like all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do just like that this kind of just goes from like set piece to set piece because yeah. like that's kind of why we're there. Like I I just want to watch Spielberg do amazing yep. things with animation and come up with like cool sequences, which is yeah. just, you know, this is a movie of like, I don't know, six or seven sequences tied together uh, in the same plot. And like you said, just do whatever you want. Yeah, and, and it'll come and out. It great. looks great, and it's yeah. exciting, and it's fun, and like it's just constant like kinetic Pirate energy. Battle, a construction crane battle, or whatever it was, and yeah, or a boat uh, dock crane oh, yeah. battle, or whatever it was. Yeah, and yeah, just whatever you can think of. Yeah, I also like uh, so yeah. One of the other like big parts of the movie is that they they uh, Tintin meets up with this you know the sort of captain character who. Yeah is the descendant of the captain of the ship that he buys the model of whatever. Um, but yeah, it's captain Haddock. Who's mo and voiced by Andy circus. Yeah. Obviously Peter Jackson has a hand in this movie. So Andy circus, <laughs> right. Andy circus has to be in it. Um, but he is great. Um, and, uh, but yeah, yeah Haddock is just an alcoholic and <laughs> yeah. I-, I love that this is a PG kids movie, Nickelodeon, and it's just full of like liquor and guns, <laughs> like just and constantly. It's not even, and it's not even like an anti-drinking or violence movie because no. like he's still drinking at the end. <laughs> he doesn't no. sober up, and, well, like, except for a little bit. His, his drinking actually like helps is, is a benefit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like the there, he's in a plane and it's running out of gas, yeah. and he literally like climbs out and like burps fumes into the gas tank and you're thinking as you go along you're like all right so he's gonna sober up at the end and be a better person but then he like downs two glasses of champagne and i'm like oh i guess not like that's the end of the movie like that's that's one of those things too like um you know we we talked about how like spielberg you know being able to do anything with animation and and also uh i mentioned that he like sort of mixes exposition with like character development but like there's that scene uh, early on when you meet haddock where uh it sort of like it zooms in like it like pans in on his face as he like he's speaking and you and then it like starts to pan out and you see like alcohol fumes coming off of him Mm -hmm. so like it's 
it's sort of like uh, establishing that he's an alcoholic, but then <laughs> right. it also is uh, sort of like the laying the groundwork for the scene where he burps fumes into uh, yeah. the airplane gas tank. I, like I actually thought that yeah. was like because I already thought it was great when they just did it to begin with, and then seeing that when it, it actually paid off fumes into in something. Tintin's face. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, Ugh. you know, and again seeing that in a kid's movie. <laughs> That's the other thing too is like a lot of the scene transitions were pretty amazing. Like they would just, you know, start out with this, you know, thing that they'd like zoom in on and it would like morph into whatever the next scene was or whatever. That's uh, I thought that was pretty brilliantly done or somebody would appear in a bubble and then. It yeah. Would... And then it would like expand yeah. into the scene. Yeah. Like I, I thought all that stuff was like really creative. And, and again, it's stuff that like if you if this were a live action movie, it would look dumb. You wouldn't be able to do it. Wouldn't yeah. pull it off. And it would probably be a boring movie. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, I think it's pretty phenomenal. And um, I can't remember what my other point was. It just sad. I was trying, I was stalling out. I was kind of just repeating points there, yeah. hoping that it would jog my memory. No, it did not. It didn't. Um, it didn't. Were you going to talk about the uh, Daniel Craig playing a villain? Doesn't I happen wasn't. Too often. But yeah, he does. He's uh, pretty great at it. Yeah, I liked him. Made me want to see more Daniel Craig villainy in films, but it doesn't really happen too often. Road to Perdition. Yeah. Pretty good in that. Is that it? <laughs> that might be it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, anything else to say? Not really. Would you watch a sequel? I would. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm hoping um, for it. And also, I mean, if they made a sequel now, it would look even better. Somehow, yeah. technology's gone. You know, only better as far as mocap goes. So. Yeah, though Peter Jackson probably try to put it in like 48 frames per second and <laughs> yeah. Be that fucking high oh, no. frame rate. Look like shit. Yep. Be all creepy again. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Oh, yeah. no. We're in fucking Beowulf territory again. Half of it would be a live action. <laughs> For no reason. He'd have, he'd have a real dog in it, but everything else would be motion capture. <laughs> You'd be like, what? What? Yeah. Or it would just be real settings <laughs> and then just animated characters. <laughs> Ugh. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the adventures of Tintin. What else we got? What's up next? Up next is gonna be the Lost City of Z after. Do you gotta take a poo? You dig a poo hole? Uh yeah, can you sing the poop song for me? Gotta open the sluice gate. <laughs> So, City Slickers 2. <laughs> uh, no. Lost City of Z. Another Lost City movie. Yeah. Not made of gold. Well, maybe. I think he was hoping there was gold there. Yeah, he was. So, this is your choice. Why did you pick this? 2016? Um, yep. Nailed it. James Gray? Yeah. James Gray has an interesting filmography. He does. He does indeed. The Yards, We Own the Night. Yeah. What was that other one? The Immigrant. Yeah, Lost City of Z. Yeah. Um, and now he's got another movie coming out, like, next week. Oh, yeah? Ad Astra. Oh, yeah, that is coming out next week, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, a couple weeks. 
Is that next? No. Yeah. I don't Depends on when people are listening to this. I don't know. I haven't seen a movie since Dora. <laughs> Lost City of Z. That's sad. Anyway, Lost City of Z. Um, yeah, this is your choice. Um, I remember liking this a lot in 2016. Oh, three years ago. My God, if I could, a lot has changed. If I could turn the clock back. Um, no, I remember liking it a lot. Um, I thought it was kind of one of those. Um, when I was watching it at the time, I, I thought it was one of those, you know, under the radar, you know, really good movies that nobody talked about or saw. Yeah. But, um, and I still kind of feel that way. I still think it's pretty great. Um, it's, I, I think, uh, well, I guess we could, I can run down the, run down the plot here. Um, yeah, Lost, will you do that for me? Yeah. Lost City of Z or Z, as they say in the movie, is uh, about a kind of the life of a, British uh, colonel slash archaeologist slash cartographer slash explorer or whatever um, named uh, Percy Fawcett. And he, uh, the story kind of goes uh, of him going on an expedition into uh, Brazil, I believe. And or as he calls it, Amazonia, <laughs> Amazonia. Um, yeah. And while he's down there on, on his first expedition, uh, he becomes convinced of the existence of a lost city in the jungle. And then the rest of the movie is basically the remainder of his life trying to find it, yeah. which involves other various characters as well as his family. And <laughs> Most movies do. Yeah. And spoiler alert, <laughs> because it's based on a real guy, um, he disappears on his final expedition, obviously, final expedition. That makes sense. <laughs> You could, you can, you can say your that. trumpet. <laughs> you can say that makes sense again in three seconds if you want to cut that part out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's Fine. like when people say, like, yeah, it's it's always the last place that you look that you find <laughs> it. You're like, oh shit. Oh yeah. Even if they they say that, even if they find it in the first place too. So you know. Well, the first place is the last place in that case. Right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, blow my mind here. Yeah. Messing with my mind. With my mind, a Will Patton reference. Um, Wendy and Lucy <laughs> still going, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, one of the things that I really like about it is that uh, it's, I feel like there's a lot of beautiful shots in it, and but it's he's films it in such a way that it's not because it's a movie about exploring, but it's also he doesn't film any like big like wide sprawling landscape scenes right like everything is very kind of medium to tightly shot to kind of make it very kind of intimate and there's a lot of shots in it that i really like would you say he's you know kind of exploring the inner workings of his mind and his obsession yeah it could be really because i wouldn't make any sense (laughs) no No, it wasn't that tightly shot (laughs) Uh, yeah, Although be, him being obsessed with it was, you know, that would be inner space with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> um. <laughs> Another great James Gray movie. <laughs> um, no, I would I would agree with that actually. Um, I, I definitely think one of the things that's great about it is that uh, it seems to all be shot on location. Yeah, which is kind of a, that seems like kind of a rarity these days that yeah. they would you know. Uh, something this sort of, I, I feel like it f- 
it, it seems kind of like a sprawling epic, even though it, I, I agree, it kind of does seem sort of contained. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of contradictions that I just said right there. Because there's no big, like, if you think of a movie like... I, I guess, geez, like, I sorry, I guess what I was trying to say there is, like, yeah. it, it feels kind of grand, but, yeah, it is right. sort of, it is sort of like a, kind of like a more introspective movie. I mean, it is really about Percy's obsession. Yeah, one man story, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I do like that. It, it definitely still feel it has, like, that that sense of adventure and everything, and I, and I think the whole thing, they're, like, there's like uh, uh, that sort of foreboding dread that kind of pervades the whole thing where yeah. I, I feel like, you know, this is sort of, this is loosely based on a true story, I guess. Um, yeah. And I guess since I had never heard of the guy and I didn't know of, you know, the city of Z being found, like, I guess I just assumed that something horrible happened to him. <laughs> so like, I feel like the whole, the whole time I'm watching, it, I was just sort of waiting for that, waiting yeah. for him to get hit with like a poison arrow or, you know, captured by <clears throat> some of the natives or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's very atmospheric in that sense. A cynic would be like, dude, you should have just left well enough alone. <laughs> Stayed home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which I mean, Robert Pattinson, his, his partner, uh, was, was he, the smart one. He yeah. kind of does say that in the end. Yep like enough's enough but um but they do kind of make a point at um while it is an obsession it's also like his his reasons for going on the final expedition were kind of um like he had he had different reasons for it because he knew that other explorers were going from like the americas and stuff and he didn't want these untouched lands to be spoiled and people murdered and you know he was kind of had those goals in mind as well that he could discover this city without affecting any of the the natives or any of the areas see i got the impression that that was just sort of like an excuse for him to go again that could be um because i like i don't i mean he he wanted to go no matter what like because there's that there's that scene towards the end where like um and i i actually think it's maybe like an unnecessary sequence where he like he comes back from his second expedition and then he ends up getting like pulled back into the war the war yeah and uh yeah and i think that like that sequence is kind of I mean, I think it's a good, it's kind of an interesting sequence, but like, it, it feels like this is already kind of a long movie that feels like it's bloating it a little bit, but, um, yeah, then he like, but he gets like blinded by some gas or like temporarily blinded, but he's like in the hospital recovering and like, all I can think of is like Amazonia. <laughs> I gotta tell you, uh, I, I wanted Amazonia. to slap him in the face every time he said Amazonia, <laughs> Uh, it's so like he probably yeah. only said it like six times in the movie, but it felt like he said it four hundred thousand times. Like, it was like Jimmy from the Wizard, California, <laughs> Amazonia. Uh, I hated it. We'll talk about Jimmy from the Wizard when we get to the next movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, but but yeah, like I like I got this because like that's pretty much the first thing that he says. Like he's he's. Uh, believes that he's blind and like uh, the only disappointment I had a dream about Amazonia. Yeah, it's not like oh, I'm never gonna see my kids' faces again. Right. It's Amazonia. <laughs> Let's face it, Tom Holland was a bit of a dick too. <laughs> he was a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> even while he was laying in a hospital, <laughs> probably blinded yeah. for who knows how long. He's just like over there. He's like they made him a lieutenant colonel. It's like well, after all he did. It's like That's what the it. fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> At least wait for his eyes to heal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah I well, and I don't know if maybe they were, um, I guess, going back to the last idea of him 
either using, uh, you know, other countries like America or whatever going in there as his excuse to go and do it first. Yeah. But I, I don't know if maybe they're adding that element to it also to uh, kind of hint at maybe that caused him to disappear and or presumably get killed because they thought, you know, he's one of them, like that's coming in here and murdering, you know, these villages of 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 natives here. Who's the they in that? Like the just the, the other natives, like the natives yeah. thought that he was an American, or they they thought that you know here comes another white man. Let's, yeah. We got to get rid of him because we saw what they the other ones have done to you know the rest of us. Well, I don't know. I mean, because they we never see any evidence that like the Americans went right. So they like, do return to that village and it's emptied out, but we don't know that that's because it was you yeah know, they were all massacred or whatever. I yeah. So like. Uh, you know, so the movie takes place over like three expeditions to mm-hmm. Amazonia. Uh, Amazonia. This yeah, Amazonia, yeah, and like hit Charlie Hunnam's accent, it was just <laughs> like it was. It was pitch perfect. I uh, thought everyone was pretty on, great in it. Like on it, every other someone. word, but Amazonia, <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> uh, I really don't remember him saying it that many the times. Worst. <laughs> um. <laughs> Amazonia. We'll get out of the boat. Well, it was already just annoying. It was like, just call it the Amazon, you asshole. <laughs> I don't think. Did they, did they call it the Amazon back then? No, apparently they called it Amazonia. Yeah. Uh, they had to really drag the word out, too. Yeah. I mean, I did like kind of some of the thematic elements that are still prevalent today where he's everyone thinks that you know these people are savages or whatever and he's like no they you know they thought of they made tools they made dishes they made this they made that and they're like yeah right come on there are no white people down there how did they make that <laughs> I, yeah i did love that where uh <laughs> yeah so like he, he initially he gets like sent there by like the whatever the geographical institute yeah. or whatever and he comes back and he claims that yeah i saw pottery and i saw art you know art and culture yeah. or whatever and uh and there's a guy that's just like, yeah, I mean, I believe you believe what you <laughs> yeah. saw, but I mean, yeah. this is, you, you can't, you can't go around saying that. They just, it's, we can't wrap our heads right. around this idea that like somebody else could have made pottery. <laughs> I love that he says it like, he could have just said like, well, just, just keep it under your hat because there are some people <laughs> around here that don't want to hear that. But he literally yeah. says, yeah, like, I believe you believe you yeah. saw it. <laughs> like you fucking gaslight the explorer. <laughs> He's like, motherfucker, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I thought that part was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did like that idea too. Like it is amazing uh, that yeah. that, that was just, that was a hundred years ago that like, that yeah. was the craziest idea right. that like a non-white person could have made a pot. <laughs> and I do love when he's presenting it to like that whole like uh, committee room or whatever. And uh, <laughs> they're booing him. <laughs> Well, they just keep going pots and pans, pots and pans, pots and pans. as though, yeah, like, oh, they, yeah, great. Like for, first it was mind blowing that they could even make pots and pans. And yeah. then it was just pots and pans pots and that pans. they made in Amazonia. Amazonia. <laughs> I can't believe I, I remember that. 1906. And my, how far we've come. Like certainly today, <laughs> there are no white people that think that <laughs> any minority no. is a savage that can't manage. <laughs> That wouldn't exist today. No. Certainly wouldn't build any walls around it. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I thought, I did like the um, the segment 
of the film with the, uh, I guess, the higher ranking officer that goes with him and then ends up, they end up having to send him back because he just totally ruins their expedition. Yeah. By yeah. just being just the worthless. fat guy who eats yeah. all the food. <laughs> Mr. Murray or whatever. And yeah. I, I love one of my favorite scenes in the movies is when he goes back and like he tries to get Charlie Hunnam's character to apologize for yeah. the way he treated him, even though he saved his life. <laughs> and yeah. like his whole, just that whole scene of him telling him off and, you know, apologizing to his. Uh, I you know. I do apologize to my crew. To my I'm crew. I'm sorry I ever thought this man <laughs> yeah. was worthy of your company. Yeah, that's that's a great and scene. I, I promise I won't confuse a man's rank with his medal. I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> like that's fucking great. What a great line. Yeah. He crushed him. Um. Ooh. Uh. I. You know. I. I think the the one sort of strange part about it or, or or sort of the the part that was a little bit confusing to me is sienna miller you're like the brazilians Ugh. yeah <laughs> uh no but sienna uh, miller in this uh can you think of a more thankless role in like the last five yeah. years where she literally just plays the wife yeah and and it's weird too because after his first expedition he comes back and it's like it's been like three years and yeah. and then he i think i know just, where you're going with this he yeah, pretty much know. decides like he's gonna go right back and they're in bed the night before i guess and like yeah. he's telling her she's like all right well the kids are a little older and uh i think they can handle themselves i'll come with you yeah. like i i definitely want to spend time with you and he's like uh, nah you're just a woman yeah <laughs> and this is right after he's telling people about like these people are are intelligent people. They're you know they're not well, savages. Well, not only that, but like she also like finds she like researches part of the evidence that right. like makes his claim seem legitimate. And so it's like obviously yeah. she's intelligent and she's capable and she's willing and interested to go. And he's just like no. Yeah. No, you're not going. And like, I, I literally thought that that's where the movie was going. And it was just like, oh, okay. And that's, and that's right after, like, because the beginning of that scene when they're in bed, he's like, he's like, maybe, you know, when I when I get back and we'll find the evidence and, and I'll show them, you know, that they, that these people are, you know, equal to us and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then she's like, well, I'll go too. And he's like, what? No, you're just a woman. Nah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And then even, you know, so then even when he goes on the third one, like, she's basically just like the the potential like you know yeah. uh gatekeeper to it where you know tom holland the son who's always hated him but now wants to go on an adventure with him he's like well let's go and, yeah. and he's just like we need to get your mom your basically just like first. ask your mother yeah <laughs> and then like yeah oh wow i and can't course... i can't believe you just said yes like that like <laughs> did i have any choice boys will be boys right. you you men in your dreams and then the bit at the end with um with her where like you know I don't know if that came from the book or if that's just a bit of movie magic or whatever where it's she brought back the compass that that uh Charlie Hunnam's character said he would send back if he found the city. Yeah. But she apparently got it from like some Brazilian and the some guy, yeah. The guy the the guy she gave it to was like the head of that geographic whatever organization. Well, I love it cuz like I <laughs> Because like as he's leaving too, he's like, yeah, here, here's the thing. I'll send this back, and yeah. that'll, that'll let you know that I found it. Because right. uh, I might not want to come back. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, like, wait, what? Why? Yeah, like <laughs> you got two other kids, and a wife. And I this is great wife. Yeah. Like, she's waited for you yeah. every Seriously. time you've left for years. You've been away from her longer than you've been with her. I got to and point. she wanted to go with you. And but he's like, what? I might not want to come back. 
And every fucking time this guy comes back from an expedition, he's got a new kid. <laughs> he comes back and they're like, this is your son. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, the and then he thing... comes back for the next one. This is your daughter. I'm like, what? The other thing, too, is like, you know, if we're, if we're going to follow this down the line a little bit with like how women are treated in the movie. Like when he's leaving that third time, he's just like, uh, whatever, David. You're the man of the house now. You're a grown man. Yeah. Like, take care of your mother. <laughs> and then he, like, hugs him. Yeah. He's the best. And then, like, he goes to his daughter, who we who we just found out existed, like, right. four seconds ago. And he just, like, pats her on the head. like, it was good to see you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he says, I love you, maybe. But, it, like, may as well have just said, like, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming to say goodbye. Good for you, kid. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're looking good. Have a nice life. You I might a, not want to come back. You missed a spot on the kitchen floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, the uh, fuck? You can stay here because you're just a woman. <laughs> In the end. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so that's a lost city. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, I enjoyed everybody in it. I thought Robert Pattinson was pretty awesome. Yeah. I, we I, wow, we didn't even mention Robert Pattinson. Um, yeah. That's sort of like his like sidekick, right hand man. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like the the guy who originally goes with him as like he's an alcoholic cartographer. <laughs> um. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Uh, he's he's a great actor. He Throw is. that out there. Yeah. I feel like that's a that's like a little known fact. Yeah. Um, but Which yeah. seems weird to be like, you know, that's why you said it and I laughed because I'm like, yeah, who doesn't know that? But a lot of people. No. Well, I mean, because he's been in like a bunch of awesome independent movies mm-hmm. and Twilight and Harry Potter. Yeah. And like, that's what he's known for is just being like a pretty boy. But like, he is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's great. And like, he's, he's definitely a highlight in this and throws himself into shit now, like to the point where he doesn't even care if he's unrecognizable. I kind of feel like I would love to see a movie with him and Shia LaBeouf. Cause I feel like they're both in that class of, of yeah. like, they were both around kind of in like that, that late, you know, like 2007 yeah. ish. They were, they like kind of peaked in, in terms of like yeah. popular culture. And then they became like a punchline within like two years, yeah. but like they're both really great and and very much throw themselves into what they're doing and i almost feel like they're both in that mode where they're like for they're like we already made our big checks let's just go fucking nuts and do whatever yeah. the fuck we want yeah like shia labeouf just he just does like really bizarre out there shit now yeah and uh yeah i i man i would i would love to see both of them it's like our next in a movie. uh our next generation of like nick cages <laughs> yes <laughs> who just yes. do whatever and hopefully they don't have expensive hobbies like collecting dinosaur skulls and shit like that. So they don't have to make just pure shit season of the witch type movies. Or buying action comics number one and keeping it in a like uh, airproof fucking glass container. Beneath an inch of bulletproof glass. <laughs> Holy shit. Why hasn't anyone made a movie where someone steals action comics number one from, from Dick Cage's Cage. fucking vault? I'm going to steal Nicholas Cage's action comics. That's too good. Um, oh my god, I want to write that movie now. <laughs> Let's stop the show. I gotta make this movie. Uh, so what do you think actually happens to him in the end? Where he and his he and his son Tom Holland they do find that village right. and they get brought in front of like the native council or whatever. Yeah, they get blindfolded and they never really they never they really get say drugged. What... I'm yeah, sure they drink something. some kind of like ayahuasca type. 
because Tom Holland, who plays his son, kind of says, like, we're going to die. Like, he thinks that, that they're being, like, poisoned or they're going to be uh, sacrificed or mm-hmm. whatever he's thinking. But we don't, we never see any of that. We never really get a hint that they're doing anything malicious to them. But it could also just be a ritual. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's like, it's definitely a very, like, ritualistic scene. And I, I, I love, uh, like, the, uh, I can't remember his name, but Charlie Hunnam. Like, his, his response to Percy that. Percy Fawcett, yeah, uh, yeah. When they're when they're deep in the Amazonia, um, Amazonia. no, but like, yeah, when when his son says that, like, oh, we're gonna die here. This is it, and yeah, he just has that like that moment of peace. Is like, yeah, like this. If this is it, then like we yeah. saw something great. Yep, and we saw something no one else will. And like, yeah. if we die, that's whatever happens to us will be our fate or our yeah. destiny or whatever. So. Yeah, I actually, I I really like that scene. And then, like, I think the movie. I think the way the movie tells it is that they they get let into the city. Yeah. Um. I, I like that. That was my takeaway from it. Whereas I definitely think that's uh some some historical license. I'm sure they right. just died some unceremonious well, death. And I think I read somewhere that the um, uh, I can't remember now the uh, too too many drinks and to remember Robert Pattinson's character's name, but I guess he went on Henry? record. He went on record to say that Henry Coster. Costin. Yeah. Costin, anyway, whatever. Like it doesn't that. matter. I, I think he went on record to say that he doesn't think that they were murdered because he's like, there's no way that the natives would have murdered him because, like, they all, he got along great with all of them. I mean, yeah, but. But. He doesn't know. Like, his son made, might have been a dick. Exactly. I don't know. Or, again, they could have been spooked because other explorers were down yeah. there, you know, murdering or whatever. I, I just feel like, I, I feel like we would have. You know, with technology these days, we would. I mean, I think like the epilogue of the movie says like there there was something that substantiated something, but I feel like it would have been major news if there was like some lost city that got uncovered. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but they just fucking died. They got like dysentery or something. Probably. Um, Fucking starved to death. Yeah. And then he's like. Let me send this compass back to my wife. Or maybe they did get led into the city. He's like, I'm not coming back. Here's my compass. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Good luck getting remarried, you old hag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to my daughter for me, whatever her name is. <laughs> yeah. Make sure she never does anything great either. <laughs> <laughs> and then she found it Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was going to call it Amazonia. <laughs> I mean, this was an Amazon movie. It's true. Jesus, is that why they did it? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely just a bunch of shameless self-promotion. It's just a biography of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm much like <laughs> Percy Fawcett. What the fuck his name was. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I don't know. I thought it was pretty great. I'd watch it again. And, you, know, you, know. I liked all, you know, this is a movie that, like, I kind of think it needed to be, like, 25 minutes shorter or an hour longer. Like I, I feel like it could have been a, like a real big sprawling epic. I think it, um, like that that sort of World War One sequence could have gone on a lot longer because like it kind of seems unnecessary. Kind of just seems like a glorified passage of time I was, transition. I was actually laughing at the World War One sequence. Yeah, because they like he's got this giant coat on, <laughs> and he runs into out of the. Uh, um, out of the trench with a fucking pistol. Yeah, and I'm like, what are you doing? A pistol that's like tied to his coat. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, like a this, zip line. Is this a thing that they did in World War One? <laughs> like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, so. it's a wonder we won. Yeah, we. 
I guess. Well, we didn't, we didn't lose. No. At, but at what cost? What cost, Brad? I do like that they mentioned, like, ah, maybe it'll just be real quick. <laughs> be in and out. Nobody will get hurt. Yeah. Like, ah, one of the one of the highest body counts we've had in, in wars. Yeah. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. This is the part where we deny World War One. <laughs> Since you already, you know. Oh, what do you mean? Since we already spent other episodes making fun of bombs dropping. I mean, I, I guess it happened because the bombs got dropped in World War II. So <laughs> it stands true. to reason there yeah. must have been a previous World <laughs> That's War. That's true. But, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know anything about it. It's, I mean, I've seen a couple of movies, but I, I thought it was just like a collective fantasy. If you know numbers, I mean, two comes after one, so. Yeah. And this is a two. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, I don't know. We've gone way too long. On, yeah, yeah. We've gone about two hours and 21 minutes into this movie. Yeah. So yeah, Lost City of Z or Z. Z. Yeah. What's next? Next. Interlude music. No, you have to have at least sixteen seconds of build up. <laughs> I think once once that's out, I'm like streaming or dvd or whatever that should be our interlude music in between films when we finish one film go on to the next we'll just throw in michael pena doing rave music yeah. that won't get old um yeah uh, hopefully this is loud enough yeah we'll figure it out eh. Eh. so uh extremely loud and incredibly close Mm. 2011 Stephen Daldry this is the first movie that he was not nominated for an Oscar for best director for Billy Elliot got it wow The Hours got it The Reader got it nominations that is need him got him got him need him got, got him got him need him got him that's from Little Monsters yeah um, speaking of Little Monsters extremely loud and incredibly close Thomas Holt <laughs> The young star of Extremely Loud and Criminal Close. Yeah, um, so I don't know where to start with this. I, I feel like there are a couple angles we could approach this from. I guess the first one, I, I, I guess the, the, the one that I'll start with is uh, I had primed you for a scene in this movie that I had claimed had <laughs> That's right. the worst line reading that I had ever heard, or at least like in the top five or ten, um, of John Goodman, the doorman. Uh, seeing footage of the towers being uh, hit with a plane and then exclaiming, oh no! (laughs) And uh, I I just want to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how right was I that this is one of the worst line readings in the history of film? Um, Negative 10? (laughs) What do you mean? I don't understand. (laughs) Well, no... (laughs) Nope. Aside from John Goodman being the doorman, literally no part of that happened in the movie. He wasn't watching the towers fall that we know of. It's true. He was presumably just watching coverage. We don't actually see what he's watching. Uh, And then he just kind of has a very subdued like, oh, God. Oh, my God. 
which like in fairness like when i was watching it in the theater uh it's it's already a bad movie at that point. I was already like a little bit exasperated, and I do think his it's a very unnecessary inclusion of him doing that. Yeah, and so because like, it's right at the tail end of that scene before. It yeah, cuts. yeah. There, there's like a scene oh, that God. actually has a purpose, and then at the end of it, it's like you know the kid goes upstairs, and then it just like pans back down to John Goodman watching TV, going, "Oh God," and like it's not a it's not the worst line reading, but it's not good, and it's unnecessary, and so like somehow in my head over the last eight years that just that just grew and grew into oh god were you maybe you yelled it in the theater <laughs> did you stand up in the theater in 2011 and go oh, no uh no but i will say that like uh so yeah this is a 9-11 movie and uh there are there are uh there are like four or five sort of extended flashback sequences uh throughout the movie after that and each one i was literally watching like on the edge of my seat in like anticipation like well surely he says it in one of these <laughs> so i'd be watching like with a big grin on my face like please please don't let me be wrong about this <laughs> Can we have that on the record that Brad was watching a 9-11 movie <laughs> with a big grin on his face? <laughs> there it comes. Yeah. There uh, it comes. Oh, my God. Um, no. It's on par with the um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, when uh, she sh- when uh, Matthew McConaughey's character shows Renee Zellweger's character her boyfriend that he just murdered in the back of his truck, <laughs> and she goes, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, that's your reaction? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, like uh, I guess we'll rewind and like <clears throat> I, this is another movie like almost, almost sort of like Dora. <laughs> I'm I'm baffled as to why this was made, like yeah. why they adapted this. Ugh. Um, it's <laughs> I'd go further. I I want to know why the book was written. <laughs> See, I re- I actually had read the book before I saw this movie. Yeah. Uh, I read this book in like maybe over like a calendar day. Uh, I was like, I had like a 20 hour layover in an airport and I finished it on the plane and I was like weeping at the end of it. Oh my God. Uh, I thought it was a phenomenal book. Oh God. And, uh, does the book include Tom Hanks spiraling, falling out of a window? Uh, it doesn't No, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is technically mentioned. That's in the trivia on the IDB. Uh, cause I think they watch sleepless in Seattle or something and they reference it. But anyway, um, no, but like I, I loved the book, and so I was I was pretty excited for the movie because like Stephen Daldry, legit director, he's well, pretty good and had a great cast. Hanks, Sandra let's, Bullock. Let's back up even further. We haven't actually explained what happens in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the movie uh, is about like a uh, kid who's like on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a nice way to say it? Like he um, he may or may not have Aspergers. It'd be I guess. nice to say a kid who's desperately in need of therapy. Yeah, and attention. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh. Yeah. So it's a kid who may or may not have Aspergers. Who, uh, his father always like gave him like these um these little like quests or expeditions for that were like excuses to get him outside and to like 
teach him things and get him to like talk to strangers and interact with people and stuff like that. And so, you know what he obviously didn't teach him how to cope with the death of a loved one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he, uh, uh, his father dies in nine 11. He's in one of the towers. Mm. Uh, and, uh, after that, like a year later, um, the kid, goes into his closet and he finds a key in a vase that breaks and it's in an envelope that says black. And so he sort of interprets it as like uh, uh, an expedition that his father was working on for him. And so he uh, interprets that he needs to go to everyone in New York <laughs> City with the name black and ask, like find out what this key fits into. And, uh, and then it's just, you know... Uh, that's his hunt. Uh, hijinks ensue. Madcap <laughs> <laughs> uh, humor. Laugh a minute. <laughs> he meets a Holocaust victim and teams up with him. <laughs> you know, if yeah. one tragedy wasn't enough. Yeah, you know what? I can't believe you got me to watch another Jay and Silent Bob movie. But, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, oh boy, this kid needed some drugs. Um... <laughs> So yeah, like that's that's what it is, and it's it, but like that doesn't really explain that, that that's like the the overview of the plot. No. Uh, that doesn't explain how like obnoxiously <laughs> precocious and like that that the kid is, and how whimsical the movie is. He carries a fucking tambourine around. I I would at this point even I know I mentioned Jay and Silent Bob. So I'll, I'll include Kevin Smith movies. Can you find me another character in movie history that expounds <laughs> to the degree that this little shithead does through the entire film? Uh, I feel like there has to be one. Cause that's it, a lot of years of cinema. Cause I'm just sitting there for most of the movie, just going, shut up, mm-hmm. shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I guess I guess part of it is like I, I feel like it's a it's a good literary premise because like there's something about it, like when you're reading it in your own voice you don't like there's not a specific like not a specificity to how like precious and uh, you know precocious the kid is so like when you actually see it on screen you see him. Like, even, like, his enunciation and his fucking narration yeah. annoyed me. Was he that overly articulate in the book? He kind of was, but it, I, I remember it working in the book. Um, but I read the book. It was over 10 years ago, so I, I couldn't really say. If I read it, I, I actually, I almost read it uh, before, you know, we yeah. did this. But uh, I, I sort of didn't want to compare it to the book too much <laughs> and get lost. There are definitely scenes in this where it's just... Whew. But it's also just, like, the concept of... Um, of him, of like a 10 year old boy yeah. going all over New York City over the course of like five months or however the fuck long it takes and place. He, and he goes into the homes of hundreds of complete strangers. I think it was like 470 people or something like and that. And oddly enough, only meets four assholes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the rest of them are totally cool with him being in their house. Yeah. yeah hang out with my kids. Do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. Cool. Go and a lot it. of them even kind of set something up for him to do a little activity or something. And... He rides some horses and. And in the Praise. weirdest twist of fate, the key belonged to the first fucking person he goes to see. Yep. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. How's that for a movie? Yeah. Yeah, but like there's something about it in the 
I, I feel like, you know, again, as a literary premise, this is a, an adaptation. I feel like it, it can kind of work in a book because you can sort of just get wrapped up in, in the voice of the character and that, that, you know, you just get sort of tied up and you, like you get like sort of tunnel vision in terms of like, yeah. you don't, you don't sort of like think about how absurd a 10 year old Asperger kid mm-hmm. walking around New York yeah. is for five months um whereas like when you see it in the movie it's just like no this is dumb this is absurd yeah and 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 it's and it's manipulative as fuck what do you mean entire movie what do you mean (laughs) name one instance of that well like you know (laughs) it's very manipulative yeah even even overarching like the fact like they use 9-11 to the point where it's like so i can't i can't criticize this kid because he's going through you know horrible blah 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 blah, but it's like no no fuck that kid (laughs) well i i feel like i i definitely thought it's like you should feel bad if you don't like what we're doing here because 9-11 i i yes cool that 9-11 combined with uh uh like a potentially disabled kid is just like they thought that was going to like inoculate them from any kind of criticism but then it was just like oh fuck you for trying to use 9-11 for the (laughs) you know tell some fucking whimsical ass story um I, I don't know. Like I, I I'm very curious to go read the book again to see what the fuck I liked about it. But yeah, like I again, I don't know why they made this. Like it seems <laughs> like it, like it came on the heels of Everything Is Illuminated, the other like the first book from Jonathan Safran Foer, yeah. which was not like a big hit, but it was a bigger. I actually kind of like that movie. I remember, oh, it, I remember yeah, it's a good movie. movie. But like I, I, I feel like people Leo saw Schreiber that. Directed that? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um. But I think that was one where uh, it was it was a like a a big hit as an indie, yeah. And so I I feel like this book got like optioned the second he mentioned it, yeah. You know because it was a, he's the hot new voice or whatever, and uh, he sat down at the pitch meeting and was like, all right, so it's one year after nine eleven. They're like, oh, green light, <laughs> done, sold. Um, That's- that's so hot right now. <laughs> like, oh, cool. We're at that point. <sighs> yeah. What was the What was the first one? Was it World Trade Center when that came out? And everyone's like, oh, I guess we're doing nine eleven movies now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. World Trade Center and United ninety three. Yeah. Actually, United ninety three came out like I feel like two or three months before World Trade Might Center. Might have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember so- actually liking United ninety three. Yeah, I think it's actually a great yeah. movie. Um, I have not seen it since it came out. Right. Like that's a pretty heavy movie to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember my brother and I seeing World Trade Center on opening day. We went at like, I don't know, it was like three p.m. It was an afternoon show. And Michael Pena do rave music. What's that? <laughs> Michael Pena do rave music. In that movie? <laughs> um, Nick Cage did. Do 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 Um, no, but like there was uh, like the whole movie, like there was just like this noise that kept happening. Like someone was making a noise and it was just like, (laughs) 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 and like, it was just like at like regular intervals, like every like 20 seconds. It would just be like this. And and my brother and I, like we just kept kept going, shh, (laughs) enough. (laughs) And then like the movie ends. We're walking out of the theater and see somebody with their fucking respiratory <laughs> device <laughs> that we were badgering for two hours. Probably a 9-11 survivor. Maybe. 
Junge, Schüsse. But at the same time, come on. You may have been shushing a first responder. (laughs) And my first response is, shh. (laughs) That's what we get for talking during movies. (laughs) I did the same thing to some old guy during Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) Kept trying to show me his arm tattoo. I'm like, I don't care. Shut up. Try to watch a movie. (laughs) I don't care about your ink, old fella. Uh, where were we? <laughs> no, so like I, I do think uh, <laughs> extremely loud and incredibly close. Uh, it's uh, would you say this is? Uh, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Would you say it's borderline offensive or <laughs> very much offensive? <laughs> yeah, very much offensive. Everything, every every little touch he did to be like. What do you think about the opening shot? Oh, of <sighs> where it's just like. Uh, Tom like, Hanks spiraling through the air. <laughs> well, it's just like clothes flapping, and then kind of you know, you, yeah. it, it kind of goes out a little bit farther, and you see kind of like a hand. Yeah, it's, and then it's like a, somebody jumping out of a burning tower, <laughs> and it turns out that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, cool. Just a tasteful yeah. representation of start. like one of the most horrible things I've ever heard about. Uh, um, and the and the and the other reveal at the end that. Um, Viola Davis, when he meets her earlier in the movie, is uh, is um, getting a divorce, and her husband was. Well, I mean, uh, that was obvious. Yeah, was played by uh, uh, Jeffrey, Wright. Jeffrey Wright, and you don't know it's Jeffrey Wright until the end of the movie when she goes takes him to visit her husband, and I'm like, oh, it's Jeffrey Wright. Why did we hide his identity at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know, I don't understand, and I love Jeffrey Wright. I love everything mm-hmm. he's in. At the end of this movie, I'm even getting mad at Jeffrey Wright because of the fucking dialogue, <laughs> because I can't stand it anymore. Because he's like, he walks in there and he's got the key around his neck, and Jeffrey Wright's like, "Oh, you you got that key? Oh, did you find it in a blue vase?" And he's like, "Yeah." So immediately the kid's like, "Oh, this is yours. Like you know, you know where it was." And and then Jeffrey Wright's like, and then like it it keeps the scene keeps going. He's like, "Yeah, my dad died too, unexpected. And he had all this stuff, all this furniture and clothes." <laughs> towels and butt plugs and like all this stuff and i'm like i'm like are you are you about to explain to me how an estate sale works <laughs> I'm like is that what we're doing with this fucking scene right now and it goes he keeps going and he's like so yeah we had an estate sale i'm like oh my god i get it <laughs> like tom hanks bought the fucking vase at your estate sale apparently didn't look down inside of it <laughs> before he walked out with it we, we've already put this all together yeah. Like, I got it. Um, Move on. So here's the thing about that. I actually thought this movie was not as bad as I remembered it. Like, I, I feel like the the John Goodman, oh, no, uh, is sort oh, of like God. a microcosm for my experience watching it this time. Where, like, it was not nearly as bad as I remembered it. Um, was, and, it was worse. It's way no, worse. I actually think there are some good scenes in this and some good sequences in it. But I, I think it's. It's so overshadowed by the fact that it's a 9-11 movie. Yeah. When it doesn't need to be. Cause Tom it's like, Hanks is the worst father in the world in this movie, by the way. Uh, it, well, I, I, my problem with it is that it says <laughs> it says nothing no. about 9-11. No. There is, it, and it just sort of like offers this cheap sort of like consolation mm-hmm. about it where it's just like, well, this 
annoying kid found a little bit of peace. <laughs> so I guess everything's cool now. And then I start feeling like, should I feel terrible because I hate this kid? <laughs> oh, I want to smack him in the face. Like, um, it was worse than Charlie Hunnam saying Amazonia. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it would be a miracle. I don't believe in miracles. Like what? You only believe shit that you can see and touch? Yeah. Fucking Amazonia is real, but you can't touch it. <laughs> You're not there. You're in New York. Um... <laughs> But, like, I actually think that had this just been, like, Tom Hanks died in, like, a car accident. Yeah. This is not a, it's right. not a bad premise for a movie that, like, the I like the idea that he is going on this unsolvable quest just to sort of, like, keep the idea of his father alive. I think that's a good right. premise for, you know, a book or a movie. Right. Well, but the, the fact that they tried to, like use it as like a healing touch yeah. for 9-11 like i actually just i was reading in the trivia. 2011 yeah i was reading the trivia and <laughs> like stephen daldry wanted to have it done by september of 2011 to coincide oh with the anniversary of yeah. the attack which is just like that is like heaping on the yeah. distastefulness um cool good job but Oof. like i i actually the jeffrey wright scene at the end that you're referencing i actually did kind of like that i actually <laughs> thought that was kind of good i and maybe it's just because uh the kid finds no answer i i sort of like the oh, idea fine, of like yeah. that it all just culminates in a totally random incident where it's just like that yeah. he has nothing to do with anything right his father had nothing to do with it didn't even know it existed yeah um and that you know i guess whatever like the sort of parallel losing his father yeah. uh, it's it it is or it's fine but um and and then <clears throat> I guess we sometimes have... big aspirations just end up really just small <laughs> and yeah. turn into nothing. Well, the other thing is like we haven't mentioned Sandra Bullock that much, no. who plays his mother, no. and like it's this the weirdest the relationship. worst mother in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worst. Or, I, I mean, I feel like that's a little bit unfair. Um, I feel like he's the worst son in the world. They're, I think that's a more the worst accurate. family in the yes. world. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Because, like, it, it turns out that she has been, like, they, they do not get along. Like, there's actually a scene in the middle of the movie where he, he Nobody says, taught that kid how to swing on a swing set, and he was, like, almost a teenager. <laughs> yeah, but there's a scene in the middle of the movie where he literally says, like, I wish that was you that died in the tower. Yeah. And, and she's then, like, me too. <laughs> yeah. No, but I love, well, I don't know if I love it. But, like, the end, of that, the end of that scene is... He says, like, I shouldn't have said that. That was mean. I didn't mean that. And then she just goes, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Go to bed. <laughs> like, it's the, the harshest scene in this decade of movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like, in the... Like, like that like, scene was at the beginning of Cat in the Hat, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but then, like, she disappears for the next hour of yeah. the movie. And then she comes back, and the reveal is that... She was totally aware of right. his his whole map and his whole plan to see everything, and she visited <laughs> all of these families before he did, before and sort of like did. primed them yeah. that like this kid was gonna come. And like and you're like that's plausible, sure. Oh, that makes total sense. So like she she you, never talked to the kid. <laughs> yeah. She just went to these 450 families all over New York and, Don't and told talk them to your fucking child. Yeah. Don't get your child the help that he clearly needs. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> like, yeah, this is good. That, you know, wrap, but it, that like, wraps it up nice. <laughs> I, like, I do think, like, you know, you mentioned manipulative and, like, um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, 
I do as like a movie moment. I do like the that sort of last scene where she where the, where she sort of like lets him in on it that like she was totally aware, and then they sort of like compare notes on all of like the interesting people that they met. Like right. I thought that was I thought that was a great scene like in a vacuum. Um, well, I like that too, but uh, I'd like to add to that the scene after when oh, he's the worst. <laughs> When he's sitting on a rock in the park talking yeah. to his dad's ghost or whatever the fuck he's doing. And he says, you know, I thought I wouldn't be all right, you know, with you being gone. But now I realized I'm going to be okay. And I was just sitting there and I was like, why? Yeah. It's like, why do you think that now? Because you realize your mom doesn't hate you? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, that's the thing is like, I, again, I feel like if, if this movie is about Tom Hanks dying in a car accident right. and then it's, it's about how he, you know, uh, about how this kid right. and his mother sort of come to terms with that. And, and it still works exactly the same. And, and yeah, it's and, still and like come to like understand each other. Yeah. Then that's, that's a great, I, I think that could, could right. be a great movie. It's but still like, like some things happen that you can't explain just like, you know, at yeah. the time 9-11, even though, you know. <laughs> We pretty much know what happened now. <sighs> pretty much explain it. Yeah, but the fact that like, oh yeah, um, I was afraid to swing on the swing before, <laughs> and now I'm swinging on the swing. Freeze frame ending, like nine eleven's okay. Yeah, like that is such an appalling hey, ending. Nine eleven's all right. Racism is solved. <laughs> We're all good here. Yeah, I'm gonna take two minutes to figure out how the swing works. Yeah. Uh oh boy. And it was two minutes from the moment he started swinging to the freeze frame. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. So two full minutes. What the fuck happened in between the two minutes? He wasn't just swinging the whole time. No, she, he was swinging and she was flipping through his fucking murder oh, notebook. Oh, that's right. His notes. Yeah. <laughs> his fucking murder notebook. And she finds his drawing of the burning towers and like the little <sighs> thing that she slides down and the man goes up into the up. building yeah and she's sitting there smiling and i'm like your son made a fucking diagram in yeah. his notebook of a man falling out of a burning building and you're smiling at it it's like that's cool. a time that was a craft project <laughs> yeah yeah I feel, I feel like i remember in i remember in the book i think he has uh he has photo he has like a stack of photos that's basically like a flip book of somebody falling and then i think he does it in reverse oh. which i feel like if I think the impl- like the way I remember in the book is that <laughs> the the way I remember in the book is that like his sort of coming into terms with it is him sort of like bringing his father back from the dead and that was like the concept of it was like you know and I I don't know I I don't know if that's okay either yeah that's not a good lesson that's like that's not dealing with death. <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like it's dealing with your father's death, but like, again, burdening it with nine eleven right. is horrible. Yeah. And like, again, we we only mentioned the fact that there's a Holocaust yeah. survivor in the movie, but <laughs> right, yeah, there's also that Silent Bob, <laughs> who turns out to be his grandfather because this is and it's hard. It's an independent movie too, apparently. <laughs> yeah, Max Fonsito, who. Uh, <laughs> who got nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah. He doesn't speak, but he has that sweet ink on his hands. Yeah, he does. And swink. <laughs> yes, no. Sweet ink on his uh, paper, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no more. Let me play you my voicemails of my dad <laughs> in the tower in 9-11. No? Why? <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. And then they flash back to Sandra Bullock also getting a phone call from her husband. And I'm like, you know, if you and your kid just talk to each other, <laughs> you'd be able to figure out that you're on the same page here. 
You're both dealing with shit. Yeah. But no, like 18 months went by. Yeah. Nah. I'd rather send them all over the five boroughs talking to complete strangers. Some of whom may kidnap and murder him, but... Yeah, the idea that out of 450 random people, that there wasn't one creep. Nah, not one. Mm. Not one who was like, yeah, sure, come on in. (laughs) Never see him again. (laughs) Is there a better uh, eating uh, street scene than uh, Max von (laughs) Sydow? Eating whatever the fuck he was eating in that spot? Yeah. Spills it all over his face a couple times. Wiping his face, yeah, five times. Uh, Are you enjoying that? Yeah. I hated the way the kid enunciated. I'm going to say it. I just hated the way he did everything. But hey, it's good because he got he got the blacks back together at the end. So and That's true. And he found closure. <laughs> Gotta throw that in. Yeah, he found closure. So like 9-11 really wasn't much of a tragedy? Yeah, 9-11 I mean, that, wasn't that bad because my mom wasn't me. Yeah, this kid figured it out. <laughs> a kid who desperately needed a father figure in his life. I mean, he scrapbooked, he journaled. Yeah. It's cool. His father taught him Taekwondo, but not how to deal with the loss of a loved one. (laughs) Hey, you know, someday I may not be here. You'll have to deal with that. I think movies like this are why the terrorists hate us. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're proposing that movies like this are why 9-11 happened? (laughs) They definitely didn't help. (laughs) The terrorists hate our freedom if we Uh, use it. To send Asperger children around the city. <laughs> Just pretentious fucking white people. With a people. fucking tambourine. <laughs> pretentious white people movie. And the terrorists are like, they watch American Beauty and they're like, we need to fucking handle this. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's fucking tambourine too. I forgot about that. Walking around the house. <laughs> they sort of phase the tambourine out for the second half of the movie. But definitely the first half is like... While he's walking, and I'm like, I'm gonna shove that tambourine up your ass, <laughs> you little fuck. Yeah, hmm. I right. recommend hate watching this movie because that's pretty fun. I think it's an interesting watch. It's kind of if it were over two hours, I'd say nah, but was it over two hours? I don't yeah, think it, was. it was. It was two hours and ten minutes. Jesus Christ, see, it, went, it flew by. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it flew by faster than Tom Hanks falling out of the tower. <laughs> Which they show. Spinning in slow motion. <laughs> yeah, they show it as part of a dream sequence, too, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. With him falling toward it's the... It's appalling. He's, like, falling toward the camera. I'm like, what is this movie? Yeah, I don't... What were they thinking? <laughs> what was Tom Hanks thinking? Uh, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, uh, one of the other entries in the IMDb trivia for this was that uh, in 2013, uh, Tom Hanks and Sandra Bullock ranked one and two as the most trustworthy people in Hollywood. Wow. And it's like, clearly no one that voted saw extremely <laughs> loud and incredibly close. Yeah. yeah. Nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So yeah, that was the other that was the other angle from which to talk about this was that yeah, it was nominated for best picture, and uh, it's very clear that that was a lot of money exchanged yeah. hands. And the Academy voters were like, well, I mean, it's nine eleven. We can't really not. Nine yeah. eleven. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Sandra Bullock. They're the most trustworthy. 
and then the Charlie Sheen movie that was called 9-11 came out years later and they were like no, we're not gonna... I don't know about that one isn't there like some movie where like Charlie Sheen gets stuck in an elevator on 9-11 or something I'm like alright sounds good let's do it is there mm-hmm. <laughs> I think like it's like um, Charlie Sheen Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> Something it's just this weird cast. I should find it. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. And we should end this. We should. We should we should end this movie and this show the only way I know how, and that's by taking our own lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a downer. Yeah, it sure was. My my dad died unexpectedly. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of furniture. <laughs> like, I don't care what your dad owned. <laughs> Whew. It's a fucking Maltese Falcon that this kid was wearing around his neck for two hours and 11 minutes. <sighs> well, all right. That's been mandatory movies. It has. I didn't yell as much as I thought I would. You were reasonably loud and somewhat close yeah well i guess on that note we should wrap this episode up and kiss a little in the bathroom okay (laughs) all right let's do it well i'm bradley redder i'm kevin falkenberg and this has been mandatory movies stay tuned in 10 days for the bonus episode when we're more drunk than we are now. Yes. Talking about the movies that were not as good as in extremely loud and incredibly close. I mean, that's not true, but <laughs> less offensive. Well, <laughs> I'd watch national treasure a million times before I watch it. Extremely loud and incredibly, whatever the fuck this movie's called. Fair. Yeah. See ya. Come and get me, come and get me, come.